This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Hey, this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, the one and only, Glenn Lotzenheiser. What's up, buddy? Man, what a beautiful Halloween victory that was, huh? Oh, perfect. Perfect. It felt like Christmas more than Halloween. Early Halloween, we just played a trick on the Jaguars. We stole all of the candy, and we sent them home crying. (laughs) It's the best way to celebrate Halloween. Matt, not with us in the first half of this show, but he should be popping in later in the episode. You'll be able to hear from him. But it's just going to be me and Glenn here for the start. few reminders before we hop into the show. Uh, Pro Bowl voting, still open. So go do that. Vote for all your favorite Titans players to get in the Pro Bowl. be nice to see some more representation for the Tennessee Titans in the Pro Bowl. seems like we always get the shaft a little bit. So make sure you get on there and make sure you're voting for your favorite players. You can vote as much as you want, I believe. Just go on there and keep voting. Also, do not forget to read the Know Your Enemy articles each week that Glenn puts out. They are really fantastic. I'm not just saying that because the dude's on the show with me. They are outstanding. They're they're really insightful, a lot more detail than we can get into. So definitely check those out. Those are over at our, our website at www.twotoneuncensored.podbean.com. So be sure to check that out. And also, do not forget, we're on iTunes, motherfuckers. So go check us out on iTunes. It's the easiest way probably to get the show. You can also get on the Podbean app in tons of different ways. But it's a big deal to us, so go on iTunes and inflate our numbers. iTunes, uh, bitch. Hell yeah. So let's jump into the show now here proper. Let's get into the uncensored mailbag. Jump in with the first question here from David Green. He asks, how do you think we will do against Joey Bosa, seeing as though we didn't get to see him at all in preseason? I think we've seen plenty of really good defensive ends so far, you know, good pass rushes. Honestly, I don't know if Bosa's going to line up right or the left. I don't think it really matters. We've got two tackles who can handle them. I'm curious to see the matchup, too. I think we all want to see this. I'm not really scared of Bosa. The rest of their defense doesn't scare me. Uh, when I covered this game the first time around, I said, you know, these linebackers are fast. They come downhill quick. We handled their pass rush really well without Bosa. And Bosa playing defensive end puts him on the inside edge. Now, the problem we have is our guards are weak. Um, if they stun against us, I don't know that Swanky and Klein together are be up for that challenge. So that that's the interesting part to me is if he comes on the inside or he stunts with a linebacker and brings them inside, that's where it could get interesting. But for the most part, I'm not too worried about you know Bosa being the difference in this game. The Chargers have had some injuries. They're down some uh, receivers. They're down their best corner. The, the Chargers don't scare me. Bosa or no Bosa. I agree here. I think that we're not going to have a big issue uh, with Joey Bosa. And you, a lot of it has to do with the secondary not being that good. And then the loss of Verrett earlier in this season was huge for them. That is a gigantic loss for this team to have. And, and that makes them really weak on the secondary. So Bosa's not going to have a whole lot of time because I think Marcus is going to be able to get rid of the ball quick, move the ball down the field, and that ends up uh, negating a lot of what Bosa can do. And plus... With the way that our tackles have played, you know, if Bosa tries to go on the outside, 
he's not going to have much luck. I, you know, neither of our, I believe it's still neither of our tackles have given up a sack, correct? I don't believe so. And we've, as Glenn said, we've played some very talented um, defensive linemen. I don't think that Joey Bose is more talented than uh, some of the guys that we've played. So I don't think we're going to have a lot of issue there. Stunting could be an issue, obviously, with the injuries that we've sustained in the interior of our line, but I still think we'll do just fine being able to stop him. He does not scare me. Next question we have here is from Jesus uh, Serna, and I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, buddy, but he asks, um, you know, obviously dominated the first quarter of the last game we played in, and then in the third and fourth quarter, we gave up 300 yards, which Jesus says is a failure to him should we be worried about that performance not really i know what he's saying here it doesn't you know when you're pitching a shutout you don't want the other team to start scoring obviously the team you know they eased up a little bit we started rotating in the second guys on the line you know our backups were playing there's a reason why they were suddenly able to score part of it was they they started taking chances throwing the ball downfield because they had nothing to lose because they weren't going to come back and win this game you know and that's always a big part of it you know I don't like it when coaches take their foot off the uh, pedal quite that much. Um, I'm always preaching that you keep your foot down on their neck and you don't let them breathe, you know, for four quarters. But the reality of it is, is once you're at the games at the point where it's out of hand and the defenders know that this other team can't come back and win, the players are let, the ones letting up, not so much the coaches. But our, our schemes change. You, you drop into more of a, a safe zone. You settle down into a cover two with your backup guys. You're going to end up giving up some junk yards. And Blake Bortles is the king of garbage time yards and touchdowns. That's what he does. He's terrible in the first half. And then once the game is already over and the other team relaxes, he scores his points. I felt like the Jaguars had a better opportunity to have put points on the board in the first half, but they, were, they weren't taking advantage of the weaknesses on this team. They weren't attacking us with their tight ends. They waited until the third quarter to really start hitting tight ends. They took themselves out of the game in the first half, and in the second half, the game was so far gone, the Titans were just on cruise control because they couldn't stop us from running out the clock. And we've seen that in the past with the Steelers when they would get a big lead, and then they would just run the ball, run the ball, eat up the clock. Um, there's only two ways you can really go is either you keep scoring a whole lot or else you run the ball and you eat up the clock and you score a little bit. And the other team just doesn't have enough time to catch back up. It's a proven method. It's not as pretty as the fans would like. It doesn't look as good on the stat sheet because the game looks closer than it was. You hear that all the time. But it's not a failure. I'm not worried about it at all. I'm not worried about it for the most part. I'll say that. For the most part, I'm not worried about this because we were so far ahead. It was this scheme thing. It was not the way that we played. It was the way that we coached. You know, we took our foot off their throat for sure, as Glenn just said. And the reason it does worry me just a little bit, and it is just a little bit, is because we did it really early in this game. You know, we came out in the second quarter already playing very soft coverage. If our offense wouldn't have put up points in the second half, this game would have been scary. So we put a lot of pressure, I think, on our offense, which I don't really want to see us do a whole lot. And I I do have a lot of faith in this offense. I think that we obviously have a a pretty good offense, but I don't want us to see us do this very often where we put that much pressure on them to do that well. Keep playing the exact same way you're playing until we get later in the game, until we get towards the end of the fourth or maybe halfway through the fourth. We did it a little early for my comfort. Obviously still came out with a win and an impressive win at that. 
And anybody who watched this game knows that it was a lot further than the score said. So, you know, for the most part, it doesn't bother me. But it was a little early. We've seen teams climb back in, in games with us a lot. We saw the Browns. You know, I mean, they were an onside kick away from making that game very interesting. So... I think we just need to keep playing the same physical style of football just a little bit later because that's in two different games now. You know, we really let up and we let a team climb back into the game that we really shouldn't have. So just save that prevent defense for a little bit later in the game is, is all. That's the only worry that I had, but it's still not a big one. And especially in a game when you're up, you know, so big at halftime. It was like four scores at halftime. It's not that big of a deal, but I don't want us to see us let up as early as we did. Yeah, the thing to me is, is whenever the Jaguars scored, the Titans answered back. And that, that was what you have to do if you're going to play that style of defense. The offense has to keep putting points on the board. The Jaguars came out, they scored on the opening drive, the Titans scored right back. As, as long as the offense is responding and the team is still engaged, I'm okay. I completely agree. I don't like to see that kind of let off. I certainly don't want to get the habit of coming out in the second half and not being 100 percent, you know, focused on getting the win. Still, I would have liked them to have, you know, held a shutout for the whole game. That would have been awesome. But the off the offense answered back. That was more important to me than the defense coming out there and still scheming with you know huge blitzes and things like that. Yeah, I agree. And it was impressive the way that we were able to run the football, and, and we're going to get into that later, obviously, to really secure that victory. Now, I mean, it was awesome to watch. It was, a, it was a really great game all in all, but just not so early for me. Malarkey, if you're listening, you know, write that down in your notes for this week. Next one, we're going to Sonny Ali. He asks, now that the coaches have seen Henry... Do you think we'll end up seeing more of him? Probably not to the extent that Sonny here wants. I think we see a lot more of him like he did this game. When we get a blowout, obviously we're going to throw him in there. The fact that they put Murray back in the game in the second half, he left early in the first half, just a few minutes, with a toe injury, and he came back out and wanted to play. They put him back on the field. That right there told me that they're not ready to give Henry the full-time job. Uh, you're not going to see as much of him as the Bama fans want. But at the same time, they, they've seen Henry go out there and be effective. I loved watching him go out there and just crush Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey was his edge in the third quarter. It was a lot of fun to watch. I think we'll see more of him just because they're going to protect Murray's carries. But this coaching staff is still fighting for their job and for the playoffs. They're, they're going to stick with Murray because he's the guy who got him here. Yeah, I agree with a lot. I mean basically still the words right from me there glenn he he was impressive and man did he he owned ramsey on back-to-back plays first crushing him and then making him lose his footing just straight breaking at his ankles to get in the end zone i mean it was fantastic to see him do that i definitely agree there but yeah it's he's a young running back that's really coming along really strong and has a very bright future ahead of him from everything that we've seen so far but DeMarco Murray's just in a different class right now he's a different class of running back and I think Henry will get there one day you know he has a lot of promise the kid's huge and he really fits Titans football you know the new look that we have on offense but you know it's just a long process for him to get there Uh, DeMarco Murray is right now showing that he deserves to be in that talk of, of one of the best in the league right now so it's it's just a different class, and you want to keep going to the guy that has gotten you this far, just as Glenn said. I'm glad that we got to see a little bit more of him. Um, I'd like to see, as the season goes on, Henry get a lot more of those garbage time carries because I have noticed a lot that later in the game when we really don't need Murray, we still use Murray. And, you know, obviously now we have this question this week of, 
of the injury that happened to DeMarco Murray that I think we're all aware of and they're monitoring this week as they go through practice. It brings up an interesting issue and I think you want to see Murray get a little bit more carries and completely take over garbage time carries. That way we have DeMarco Murray later in the season and you know if there is a playoff push to be had, obviously he would be a key part of that. So, you mean Henry take over the garbage time carries? Yeah, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Derrick Henry needs to take over the garbage time carries completely, and I think you want to see him ins- just install him a little bit more early in the game. I'm not saying like he should get a big, big share of the carries, but you know, it's first and second downs. Yeah. You know, maybe throw him in one or two or three times on longer drives, one time on short drives, uh, just to try to keep take a little bit of the, the wear and tear off DeMarco Murray uh, as the season wears on. Because obviously we're in a spot right now, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, Glenn, where you know playoffs definitely are not out of the question, the way that we're playing football right now and the, the record that we have. So keeping DeMarco Murray healthy is of the utmost importance for us. Absolutely. Let's head into the last question that we have in the mailbag this week. Mallory Walsh sends this one in, and she asks us, how worried are you about this DeMarco Murray injury? Not at all. He obviously came in and played just fine afterwards. If he's got some turf toe going on or something like that, it's a little bit of a concern. He's clearly willing to play through it. And we've got Derrick Henry back there. The only way I would be worried about is if he couldn't play at all. I think you see him on more of a snap count until he's 100%. But odds are, unless he tells the coaches he needs to come out of the game, he's just going to keep playing. Uh, we discussed it last week. I think he's got the call. It's, uh, it's up to him whenever he takes a rest. It's up to him whenever he doesn't play for a little bit. He came back out in the second half. There was no reason to put him back in the game from a coaching standpoint. He wanted to play. They put him back in the game. You know, that's, that's all it came down to to me. I think he comes back and he plays as much as he wants. I'm going to agree for the most part. You know, it doesn't worry me that much. He did come back, and it's an injury. You know, that's not a big deal. It's not an injury that's going to keep him out weeks or even a week probably. And even as the season wears on, it's just one of those, anybody who's played football has had those injuries where it's, you know, you're hurt, you're not injured. I think a lot of people have heard that before uh, who who have played the game. It's just one of those things that, you know, the wear and tear that comes through a season naturally. Like, you're going to have some pain, you're going to have some stuff to get over, and it's not a big issue. You know, this is not a big issue. So that it, to that it doesn't worry me. As I said, I'd like to see Henry just a little bit more, to keep that wear and tear from getting to Murray, but obviously not a big deal, and and obviously something that uh, that Murray's not afraid to play through. And one, it's that's nice to see out of any player, you know, just showing the heart. But it also shows you how committed they are to the team, uh, especially a team like you know the Titans right now that have had so many struggles, you know, the last few years. Like we were talking about it after this game, Glenn. We're one win away from equaling our record from the past two seasons combined. I mean, that's fantastic, you know, getting his, you know, just the building process and stuff and, and just showing where we've come from to where we are now. But it's it just shows you how much he's there for the team because obviously if you're not believing in this team, you're not going to go out of your way to play injured for a team that you don't believe in, that you don't think is is capable of going places. So it's not only you're seeing his heart, you're also seeing how much he believes in this squad. And it, it's nice to see. And I, and it doesn't worry me. You know, he's a smart enough guy that he knows not to play when he's really hurt. And, and I don't think that's the case. He's obviously the emotional leader of this team on the offense. The players since preseason have been talking about, he demands everybody play their hardest. He demands the best from everybody. And 
to back it up, he's playing hurt. You know, he, he went out, he came back in, he went back in the game in the game. He didn't have to come back in. And that kind of sets a message to everybody else in the team that if you can be on the field, you need to be on the field. And that's a great message to have sent to a team that's young and they're establishing their identity. He's making it so that the identity, the, the ideal is a reality. You know, they really are tough guys. Absolutely. And that goes a long way with a lot of these younger guys that are coming in and you have a guy like that that really shows them like this is how we play football here this is how you need to play football here you know always huge to have uh, guys like that veterans like that that bring that physicality to a team because you know obviously then it carries on we've seen uh, you know team after team be able to do this so you know definitely not only is he a fantastic player and we're glad to have him for his ability but his mindset also brings you know so much to this football team but that's all we have in the mailbag this week uh, every week we do the uncensored mailbag. You can send in your questions on Twitter or on Facebook to get a hold of us. We always do them in the Tennessee Titans uncensored group. We always put a post out there and on our Facebook page that you can comment on or you can send them in a message. However you get us to them, we always pick the top few every week. So if you want your question heard uh, and answered on air, then send it in to us next week and, and we'll be sure to get to them. But now we're going to head into the news here. Uh, and Glenn is our anchor man over here. So, Glenn, take it away. Uh, we're going to start off with the, uh, the obviously the big news from today, which this is Monday that we're recording this. Andre Johnson announced his retirement today. He played a half a season for us. That's all he's played for us. We all know Andre Johnson real well from watching him just beat up the, the Titans over the years playing for the Texans. And then he had a tough year last year for the Colts. He came here. We were excited about the professionalism he brings. The, uh, the winning attitude, he came on, and when we first signed him, a lot of us said, he's here more as a mentor than as a receiver. And I think he came in here and he showed these young guys what it takes to be a professional in this league, what, what you've got to do to have a, uh, a successful long career. And it, it's obviously the receivers on this team have obviously picked up a little bit on his cues. I wish he could have been here longer. I'll take the eight games. Uh, he only had nine catches, I believe. But one of them was for the game-winning catch against Detroit. That's awesome. We'll take it. Thanks for everything you brought to us, Andre. Best of luck. Sorry it didn't last longer. Yeah, I think this is just a case that he's seeing, you know, guys like Kendall Wright step up and and the young guys stepping up and seeing that, you know, this really isn't a place for him to be a highlighted wide receiver in a few years. And, you know, he's at that point right now where it's it doesn't come as a surprise uh, that this guy wants to retire because of his age and, and what all he has got, had to go through throughout his career. And, you know, just the wear and tear of a long career like that. And, you know, I've seen some people talk bad about him today since retiring and, you know, doing it halfway through the season. But I hold nothing against Andre Johnson. I'm glad that he came here, you know, and helped teach a lot of these younger guys. And he had that veteran presence on this team. And I'm glad that, you know, he was able to do that. And I can I can see why he didn't want to anymore. You know, it's, it's a long career to have. It's a long many years to be playing this a very physical game. And it's hard to, you do that year in and year out. And now to keep doing it when you know that you are not going to be very high up on the, the targets total. You're, you know, you're going to be lower on that list because of Kendall Wright really establishing himself this year. And, and other guys on this team, you know, it's, I don't blame him for hanging it up here. It's a common sense move, I think, for him. And it's sad to see him go. I wish he would stay longer, but I hold nothing against him for leaving. Yeah, I mean, he, he was down to the fourth man on the depth chart. And at that point, the kind of work it takes to keep your body in game shape and to take the abuse that you're going to take, you know, just practicing, if nothing else, the, the dedication it takes 
if you're a fourth guy in the depth chart and you know you're not getting more than three or four looks a game, you could understand why it was tough for him to c- come back out. He left the Colts really wanting a chance to go establish himself on a, on a roster. He came to the Titans. Our roster was terrible. Uh, our receivers are still not blowing anybody away. But Kendall Wright has taken away the big plays from him. Rashard Matthews is taking away the possession clutch plays from him. Sharp is out there. He's not going to get Sharp off the field because they didn't want Sharp to develop. So he was stuck at four. He wasn't going to get up there unless somebody got hurt. You don't plan for that. So I, I think he made the right move for him. If your heart's not into the beating and into working that hard every single game, Go go ahead and walk away. Let somebody else have a shot at those three or four catches a game. I agree with you here. Exactly what you said. And it, he doesn't have anything to prove to anybody either. You know, it's he's had a, a fantastic career. I think he's a, a for sure Hall of Famer. You know, he has nothing to prove to anybody. So it makes complete sense to me why he would leave at this point. So I'm glad that we got to have him for a little bit. It was nice to have him on the team. Nice to have the veteran presence. Wish we could have had him a lot earlier in his career on this Titan squad. That's for sure. Rather than beating us up every week. But and hats off to Andre Johnson and, and one hell of a career. Yeah, definitely. The other news I have going on as far as rosters go, and it's not Titan related but the Patriots have traded Jamie Collins definitely one of their better linebackers one of their better defensive players to the Cleveland Browns for a compensatory draft pick probably will come out to be about a third round pick if it's not somewhere in there it's going to be you know 2018 by the time they get that pick so the Browns just got a very good linebacker they didn't have to give a whole lot they just waived one of their backup tight ends and the Patriots have decided you know we can't sign this guy long term for money we're willing to pay him we're going to go ahead and get rid of him, which is what this came down to. Is They they couldn't get that contract signed. They traded him away. The Browns being the ones on a receiving end of a trade is the thing that's kind of struck me here because everybody's talking about they're, they're doing a wholesale, everybody's for trade, and then all of a sudden they go and pick up one of the better linebackers that you could possibly have gotten. Yeah, this was a, a big deal, and I know that Jamie Collins is probably not a household name to everybody, but this guy is fantastic, and he's got a lot of football in front of him pretty young guy this one really shocked me and i know that the patriots are that team that they do not pay players it just you have to be something spectacular for for you to get cut a big paycheck in new england they just don't do it that's been their mo but you know We've seen the success that they've had, so maybe there's something behind that. But, no, the rumor is Collins wanted Von Miller-type money, which, being honest, he's just not worth right now in his career. Not saying he couldn't be one day, but he's not right now. But they're already saying that Cleveland obviously has him now, and, and they're going to franchise tag him next year, or this off season, which I believe is probably going to be the case, and then we'll try to work out a long-term deal. So really, I think this is works out fantastically for the Browns. You know, you get a guy on defense that to really anchor that defense. You know, he's going to come in as as the guy on this defense, and probably will be for years to come. Now, and it's it's a great building block um, for this Browns team for the next uh, few years. But it has to suck if you're Jamie Collins. And you go from one, probably the easiest Super Bowl lock at this point. Not that any team's easy to pick there, but coming out of the AFC, there's not a ton of great competition, and the Patriots are stacked. So you go from a, the Super Bowl contender to you know the worst team in the NFL. That's that's a tough transition to make, I'm sure. Absolutely, and you know a lot of the Patriots players have said he was the best defender on that team. The players themselves are surprised and shocked by the trade. It really does look like it has to be a money thing. He's played every game. He's 27 years old, so it's not like he's ascending much at this point. All he's really going to do from here is get smarter, which is not a bad thing. I mean, the better your awareness is, the better you play. He's been a productive player. 
He hasn't had huge numbers this year, but he's been everywhere making plays for the team. It's just, it's kind of a shock. You, you got to know it's a culture shock for him. You, you go to an 0-8 team from a 7-1 and team, just like Ryan said, you know, Super Bowl, the worst team in the league. And how much of an impact he can make on the worst team in the league, I don't know. For what they paid for him, as long as they can get him climbing back down from that Vaughn Miller ledge, which he's not a Vaughn Miller player. At 27 years old, the performance you get from him right now is is probably about as good as it's going to be. So he's never going to be Vaughn Miller. He just doesn't have those kind of stats to back up that. But he is the best player on that defense. It's going to hurt the Patriots going forward. And seeing as I had them on my fantasy team, I'm not real happy about this. This is the one thing that does make it a head-scratcher for me. And I know this is the Patriots' way. You know, you don't pay anybody, and you bring in guys, and they just do a great job of And there really is no denying it. I mean, this is the... Um, franchise in the NFL right now that everybody wants to model themselves after. They're really the first ones to master, um, you know, free agency in the free agency era. And, you know, as much as I hate to say that, that's an obvious truth. But you're going for a for Super Bowl run here, and you get rid of what, and I agree with the Patriots player, their best defensive player uh, halfway through the season. And I know that you're not getting anywhere with him in the, in the, in the long-term deal talks but why not wait until the end of the season, wait until you get that Super Bowl ring, and then try something, and then try to uh, to try to move them, to try to you know get rid of them, then send them somewhere at the end of the season. That would that's what doesn't make sense to me here is, and the other thing too is they got a th- uh, you know that pick that probably going to end up being a third round pick, which I think is very undervalued for Jamie Collins' talent. So now you have a guy that at, by the end of the season could be a Super Bowl champion fresh off of a Super Bowl, That's there's so much more value in that. So to me, this was dumb on a couple levels for the Patriots. Even though that I know that this is the way that they play and they're obviously really good at it and this is their the way that they uh, operate, but I, I just I don't see why you don't wait to do this at the end of the season. You get rid of at least, arguably, your best defensive player halfway through the season just because you can't get long-term talks done and you give him away for less than he's worth. This seems maybe like it's more emotional than it was uh, a business decision. I I just don't understand where they're coming from on this. That was actually something I was going to say. This seems like that pissed-off, I'm going to trade you to the worst team in the league move. You know, It's something that you would do on Madden to a guy who won't re-sign. It it really kind of felt (laughs) That's true. I was like, screw you, I'm going to trade you over here. But, yeah, I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent after this season, so they weren't going to be able to trade him anywhere if they didn't trade him now. Uh, They'd have to re-sign him and then trade him at that point. And it's a lot harder to trade a guy once you put a franchise tag on him. I understand what they're thinking, but like you said, it feels a lot more emotional. Like Bill Belichick's like, well, screw you if you don't want to play for here. Go have a nice vacation with the Browns. Enjoy losing. You know, you have no idea how good you have it. No, I agree. It does seem like that, you know, that kind of move that you make in Madden where you're just like, well, fuck you if you don't want to resign then. Yeah, this seems more emotional to me. I just, I can't, I tried to look at it from their angle because I know that it's just a smart team that normally does not make dumb mistakes. And I looked at this and I, I just can't see what they're seeing evidently because I just don't see how they win, you know, this trade. Yeah, it's just, there's no winning this trade. They're just... They're getting something before he's worth nothing to them because they wouldn't be able to do anything with him later on. You know, come Wednesday morning, he's there for the rest of the season, then he's gone. So I, I get it. It's kind of like with Oklahoma City. They should have traded Kevin Durant last year before he had a chance to walk away and go to the Warriors this year. You know, it's, it's the same thought process. The best player, 
He hasn't re-signed. He's telling you the right things, but do you trust that? So they got rid of him while they could still get something for him. And just, you know, lesson learned to any Patriots player uh, when the, the team wants to re-sign you and they're not quite offering you what you think you're worth, remember where you're at. Remember who you're playing for. You could be for the Browns. That's definitely true. Like, just remember, you could always, it always can be worse. And, you know, I'm sure Jamie Collins will look like a stud compared to everybody on that uh, Browns defense. But, uh, I mean, good luck ever playing in a playoff game the rest of your career. Yeah, 27, you know, he's got, what, most five years left. Browns are probably more than five years away from the playoffs. I would say from what he's playing, I th- I think that he could probably have a little bit more than five years, but I say he probably has five years where he's the type of player he is right now. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, that window's, it's going to be awfully tight because five years is a long time in the NFL. You never know what can happen, but it's hard to look at Cleveland right now and, and take any positives away from it. It's going to be some time before they're a good team again. Yeah, the, the best thing he's got going for him is, is the Browns can keep him for a max of one more year, so he can get away after that. But speaking of the Browns, uh, the, the other player that we're seeing uh, some rumors about possibly going, uh, I haven't seen anything about Joe Hayden going anywhere just because he's too expensive. I, I don't see him going. It's too much money to play for a cornerback who's as good as he is. No one wants to eat that kind of a cap hit. You know, only the Browns pay you that kind of money. And then after that, they can't trade you anywhere. Uh, so the next player that they're looking at is Joe Thomas. The only possibility I'm seeing out there is the Giants might pick him up. I don't think the Giants end up giving the Browns what they want for him. And, you know, Thomas, is he's got two, maybe three years left at this point. He, he's already, I believe he's 30 now. So he, he's at the end of his career. I think he's a little bit overrated as far as top tackles go at this point. He's been such a good left tackle for so long. But he's on that downward slide. So if the Browns think they're going to get a bunch for him, I think they're kidding themselves. But the Giants are a team whose offensive line is beat up enough that they I could see them giving them something for him. For me, Joe Thomas, there's a couple places I think he could end up. Obviously, the Giants being a big one. But there are always, always going to be teams out there that could use a good tackle, and especially on the left side. So there's a handful of places. And I know that we've seen Hugh Jackson say that he's not going to trade Thomas. It's not going to happen. He's not going anywhere. But that's what all coaches say in that kind of um, instance. It's just a good business move. That's not a reality. And and that, that's just a smart move. Because if he does end up trading him, uh, oh, well, you, you're never going to get Joe Thomas back. You know, as short-lived as NFL careers are, you're never going to work with the guy again. And if you don't trade him, then he's loyal to the team, and he, you know, he respects that that you came out and you said that you're not going to trade him. So just smart relations with your player to say stuff like that. We've seen it a hundred times before, and you'll see it a million times moving forward again, now because it's the right thing to say for a coach. But no, not for a second do I believe that is a hundred percent true. I think that he is a movable player. We'll see if he goes anywhere or not, though. You know, we're we're creeping up on that trade deadline. There's a few teams that could use him, but right now I know that that the Browns are going to be asking quite uh, quite a lot in order for someone to take a player of that caliber. I know it's still the end of his career, but the Browns are in desperation mode, and they need everything they can get uh, you know, moving forward to be able to be a good team in a few years. So uh, they're going to ask a lot for him. Yeah, they absolutely will. As far as 
player movement and news goes, you know, we'll know more by the time the show comes out. Obviously, we just won't be recording. Let's go ahead and talk about where we're at this year. Obviously, the Titans are four and four. Uh, we're one game back in our division. We're definitely in better shape than we've been in years as far as this time of the year goes. Looking around the league, you know, four and four right now. You know, if you don't win this division, you're probably not getting in the playoffs. Uh, just the Patriots, the Raiders, they're, they're going to win their divisions most likely. If the Raiders don't, it'll be the Broncos. But the AFC West probably gets two teams into the playoffs this year uh, between the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Raiders. It's possible all three of those teams go because there's nothing really behind the division leaders in the other divisions. So the Titans are going to have to make a good push at winning this division. Uh, I think they could do it. They're only one game behind the Texans. They've got a game lead on the Colts. Obviously, they've got a a good lead on the Jaguars. So how, how do you see us as far as playoff potential goes, and what would be your number on the remaining games that we've got? I agree with you, man. I think it is a must win to win this division. I don't think that we're going to be able to pull off a wild card spot, and if we did, it would surprise me, just because there are a team, a lot of teams right now. You talked about the AFC West, obviously a big one there. And, you know, the, the Bills are still setting good right now. I know that that team's not nearly as good as they looked a couple weeks ago, but they're still right there in that hunt. You know, there's plenty of teams, AFC, that are right in that, that window right above terrible and right below great uh so it's it's gonna be a tough race but i'm not i do not think that eight and eight will get us there i think it could win this this division i don't think it gets us a wild card spot though but i think that we were talking about this earlier glenn and i think that eight and eight is completely um within the question now from what we're setting at right now and i know that i said i thought we'd get six wins but we're playing pretty good football right now, setting at 4-4. Four and four, And you look forward in our schedule. You have the Chargers. That's a winnable game. Um, definitely. The Chicago Bears, definitely a winnable game. And then we have the Jaguars again. And I think those three, to me, will be dis- disappointments if we lose. I will, you know, every game is a disappointment. But those, I'll be very disappointed. Because those are three teams we should be able to beat those teams. What we're playing at right now... And what they look like. Although I know the the Bears right now are putting it to the Vikings. I, I think that these are three teams that we definitely should beat. And then you have, you look at the rest of the schedule. Then you have two other divisional games. You play in Indy. And then you play at home against the Texans to end the season. Those both games both are winnable. But they're not going to be easy. You know, we saw what happens when we played them the first time. For both of these teams. is come very close and, and then lose the game late. And both of those. So those games are definitely not easy games to win. But I think we could possibly, and I think we will, end up winning one of them. And I'm not sure which one I feel more confident about right now. I might say winning that Colts game in Indy. But we'll see. But if we win one of those games, and the three that I previously mentioned, that puts us right at 8-8. Eight and eight. And then, of course, Green Bay, uh, and then you are talking about that tough AFC West, uh, the Broncos and Chiefs, the other two opponents, so I just don't see us beating Green Bay this year. Denver's going to be a very tough task. Kansas City's a winnable game. Uh, it's going to be tough. This is not a game that I think we'll definitely win. Um, but it is a beatable team. So if we ended up winning that game, then I think we could be a 9-7 and team. Uh, and I think 9-7 and for sure wins this division this year. Uh, I just don't see the Texans being able to get to that mark. Um, and I know that they're set nice right now, but they've had a lot of easier games this year, and I think their schedule's really backloaded. Uh, and I think a lot of teams are seeing exactly how you need to play to beat the Texans right now with, with how bad Osweiler's performing. So all that coupled together, I think that 
it's going to be a struggle for them to get to eight and eight. So nine and seven, I think for sure wins this division. Eight and eight is going to be questionable. It's going to be tough, and it really is going to come down to that last game when we play each other, January first, at home against the Texans. I think that's what it's going to come down to because we're going to have to be able to beat them in order to break the tiebreaker. Uh, and, if, and if we end up in a tie in that situation. Because right now, obviously, they have the tiebreaker against us because they have the first win. So that's what we're going to have to do is beat them in that game uh, in order to get a tie most likely is what I see it coming down to if I had to pick from here. But I think if we can get a win in those three games that I talked about and then beat, say, the Colts and then win against Kansas City, I just don't think that there's going to be a tie scenario there. I think that Houston's not going to be able to get to 9-7. and seven. I think we did win the division outright. At that point. I think it really does boil down to that last game. That I think that's the game that determines if we can make the playoffs or not. Because like you said, the Chargers, I think we win. Uh, so we're better than 500 right there, which would be a nice change of pace for this team. And we'll match the last two years' winning total. I can't see us beating the Packers right now. They're too good at the things that we can't stop. You know, They throw the ball really well, and they're a good uh, rush defense. It's a strength against strength and a strength against weakness. That doesn't usually work out real well for the team that's got the weakness. The Colts, I think we win the next time we match them up. I think they just underestimated them going into this game, and they got outcoached. I don't know that that happens again. Now, we'll learn a lot about the coaches here in three weeks when we do go to the Colts. If uh, Malarkey and Robisky and uh, LeBeau can come up with a game plan that uh, lets us walk out of there with a win, and then you know we're back over 500 again, we're going to the Bears. The Bears are a beatable team. I, I like it. Ryan said they're they're beating up on the Vikings tonight, but the Vikings are up and down. Um, as long as the Vikings' offensive line is bad, they're going to struggle. I don't think the Bears are going to play that well against a non-divisional opponent. The Bears, the Vikings, the Packers, those teams are always going to beat each other up. So you expect some upsets in there. Um, the Broncos, man, that defense is so good. I just I don't know that we can beat them just based on their defense. I don't know how uh, Devontae Booker will be doing at running back by then, you know, as long as he's not hurt by then. Uh, C.J. Anderson's gone for the year, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know if the Broncos will be able to run the ball, and I don't know that Trevor Simeon can throw the ball against us enough to win, but their defense could win the game. And so that one I'm having a hard time you know, marking that up as a win, so that would put us back at 500 again. And then the Chiefs, it's a winnable game. It's at Arrowhead. It's a hard place to go in and win. And it just it feels like a game that we're going to go in and probably not walk away with the victory. If we do, I think we're set for the division. If we don't, then we have to win at the Jaguars and we have to win at the Texans. Um, but the playoffs are in reach. We'll see how the team you know performs down the stretch. That this next month, I think that we can come out of the next four games and we we can be you know three and one the next four. The last part of the month, if we make it two and two, we make the playoffs, or we have a good shot at the playoffs. If we make it one and three, I think we miss the playoffs. It's just there, there's a lot of good action to come. The Titans are going to be in the mix. It's a really good feeling this late in the year to be able to say that. Uh, it's been so long since we were relevant. Come November and December, I'm starting to believe a little bit more than I did earlier in the year. I still. I have a hard time picking us to make the playoffs. I think eight and eight is probably where we end up, but I can see us getting the nine. You know, nine and seven would feel awful good after all these years. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you talk about it, man. Just what it feels like to say playoffs and talk about the playoffs halfway through the season. It's been a while since we've been able to to talk about it. Even as for you know this week, we we're looking at these teams. The Texans obviously on a bye. The Colts are at Green Bay, and the Jaguars are at the Chiefs. And then obviously we play in San Diego. I think 
out of those games without like a crazy uh, upset, I think we're the only one that wins this week. So I think that gives us another advantage because we're obviously one and a half games up, I guess, on the Jaguars. And then we are uh, game up on the Colts. So I think that gives us a, another like a cushion from the rest of the pack. So I think it's really, I'm looking at these teams right now. I think the Jaguars are going to struggle to win another game this season. And I'm not just saying that because I don't like the Jaguars. They're just, their schedule, if you look ahead, um, it's daunting for them. And they have not played anybody well. I mean, they're lucky to have the two wins that they do have. If you've looked at those two wins, I mean, both of them very tight games. You look at the Colts, they're not going to beat a team like the Packers right now. Obviously, the Chargers, we're going to be favored in that game. Um, and this is a team that we should be able to beat. So after this week, we're going to be probably, we should be, you know, 5-4. and four, So we're right up there with the Texans. We'll be a half game back. And then we'll have a two-game lead on the Colts. And we'll have a, a two-and-a-half game lead on the Jaguars. So we're really building a nice cushion from the bottom of the AFC South if we win this week. And putting us right up there with the Texans if we can get a win this week. So this, you know, another big game for us. I know it's a team we don't get to see a whole lot, but this is a big game for us because it could really shape the rest of the season. And it's going to be obviously an important game because the Texans and, and the Tennessee Titans right now, I think, are the two teams to watch in AFC South. And I think it is going to come down to that last game. I think it's going to be very tight heading into that January 1st matchup. Yeah, I mean, every game is going to be a big game for us until we make the playoffs again. And, you know, unless we lose a few in a row, they're all big games from here on out because holding 500, staying, you know, getting two 500 and above, that has to be the goal. And, you know, Malarkey has said it. He just wants this team to be better than 500. He wants to make the playoffs. It's in reach. You know, you can start to see his, his plan working out here. Just given how bad our division is, the rest of the conference isn't going to let us get in there unless we win it. So every game is huge until either we've secured the division or we've proven that we're not going to be able to win the division. At that point in time, put in the young guys, play all the rookies, get some experience for next year. So here's the real question, Glenn, is if we do become playoff eligible in this season, how big will your uh, malarkey tattoo be? My malarkey tattoo will be as big as Ryan feels like putting on his back. <laughs> it's uh, it'll be something special to go from winning five games in two seasons to being a playoff team. It would it, be it huge. puts him in coach of the year con- you know conversation at that point, doesn't it? I would agree. I would a hundred percent agree. And really, to this point, and I know at the beginning of the season, I was a malarkey naysayer. You know, I wasn't angry that we got him. I thought we could have done better, though. But really, right now, I'm I'm on board. You know, I'm on the malarkey bus. He's there's a new identity on this team. Very big credit of that belongs to him. You know, he's been really able to to establish a game plan that works. The running game, you know, has been phenomenal. And we really have an identity now. And not only do we have an identity, but we're a 500 team. And I know that is, it's sad that that is so exciting for us. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since the Steve McNair and Eddie George days. But, man, it just he really has uh, turned this team around. And it's a completely different team than it was completely attitude-wise and a lot of new faces than it was um, wasn't on here. Very impressed with what he's done. And, and I am fully on the bandwagon, Mullerky bandwagon. He's turned me over, and I'm a fan of his now. Yeah, I've actually started referring to him as coach. Not instead of malarkey. I'm sold. It works. I can't wait to see how the rest of this season turns out. And then looking ahead that next year, once we, we've got another John Robinson quality draft in there, just what this team looks like in another year. You know, this, this time next year, we could have an extra cornerback, an explosive wide receiver, 
just the 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 sky the sky's the limit going forward. The fact that it's happening this year is huge. You know, if if we absolutely collapse from here on out and we we miss the playoffs, we lose you know six straight to end out the year. I'm still going to feel good about the year because we said we were going to be about this good. You know, and that's still a win to me. But the fact that we could be more is just it's awesome. I'm really enjoying watching the Titans play for the first time in a long time. No, I agree. I, I still think we win six games. I said at the beginning of the season, and I'll stand by it, we win six games. Uh, I, I think Malarkey did a fantastic job. You know, I think that he did a good job. Not a fantastic job. I'll, I'll take that back. But a good job. And he should be proud of himself for that kind of performance. We win seven, eight you know, games. He did a, an outstanding job. He, we win nine games. We're a playoff team, and he's in the coach of the year running. Um, and then in my eyes, that's just an outstanding performance. Yeah, I think that would shut a lot of people up who were all pissed off about his hiring malarkey if this team made the playoffs. You know, because none of us thought we'd make it. Maybe Matt, but no, you and I definitely didn't think we could get there this year. We just didn't think that we had the rest of the talent. You know, we didn't think we had the depth. And it could happen that you know uh, we're one or two injuries away from being a bad football team again. Um, it's just <laughs> that's the reality of the NFL, particularly when you don't have a lot of depth. So don't, don't go bet your house on this just yet, because you know you're one guy stepping the wrong way and twisting his ankle from you know starting Matt Castle for the rest of the year or. You know, being without a tackle and starting Ryan Kelly at tackle and then just watching Mariota get blown up for the rest of the year. It's that fragile, but it's really hopeful for the first time in a long time. You heard it here first, folks. Glenn said go bet your house on it. Your house, not mine. Do what you got to do. <laughs> all right, that's uh, that's all we have for the first part of this show. We're going to head into a commercial break here. When we come back, we're going to have Matt join us, and we're going to head head first into this game that we just played against the Jaguars, and we'll move forward and look at that game that we have coming up this Sunday against the Chargers. 4 p.m. game. Don't forget that for all of you East Coasters. So very, uh, very big game that we have to talk about. Another big game coming up this week. So be sure to stay tuned. We'll come right back after this commercial break. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necron. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. Thank you. 
Hey, Titans fans. Do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a record didn't get six sacks Have you ever wondered why our defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end? If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Lossneiser from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast posts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning. It's on our twotoneuncensored.podbean.com page and links from the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it posts. It's a real quick read and even has pictures for the kids. For the kids! You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. And we're back from that commercial break. We're going to head into the games now and talk about the game that we just came off of and, of course, a look ahead to this Chargers matchup. I'm going to let Glenn take over here and lead us through this. Take it away, Glenn. Uh, you know, this game is definitely a game of two halves. Uh, obviously, the Titans put it away early. And so the second half was a lot less fun as far as uh, dominating style of play. But you, you it definitely everybody was celebrating the whole second half because we were just we'd already won the game. Uh, a few a few, a few things to note: uh, Demarco Murray. Uh, we talked a little about this in the first half, uh, Matt. Uh, Demarco Murray obviously got hurt, left early the first half, came back out. Did you have any objections to him going back in the game? Obviously, he wanted to go back in, but do you have a, did you have any objections to him going back in the game? Did you want to see more of Henry? Did you just want to save Murray? How, how did you feel about that when they let him come back in? Well, for one, major dick move on the host for not introducing the star. Anyway. Hey, guys. Matt's I'm back. Here. Yeah, I mean, I know why people wanted him out. I didn't really care as much because I did have him on a couple fantasy teams. I also... Um, as long as he's good to go, I mean, I don't think he would have came back on if it was anything serious, which they turned out, the MRI turned out it really wasn't anything serious. You know, most of the guys that are playing in the league, they want to play, you know, for records and, and wins, obviously. We weren't in any trouble of losing the game, but for a player like DeMarco, who's basically the heart of the offense, if he wants to go out there and, and be in there, then I, I'm not going to tell him no. I don't, I don't think Malarkey's going to tell him no either. All right. Yeah, so that's pretty much the answer we came up with. You know, if DeMarco wants to play, he's going to play. Uh, we were talking about that as one of the things of why you don't see more of Henry is because DeMarco tells them when he wants a rest. Uh, we, we do hope that we see a little bit more of Henry just to keep DeMarco fresh, but if DeMarco wants to be on the field, who are we to say no? Marcus obviously had a great game. Uh, he only threw for two touchdowns. I'm sure some people are upset that he didn't throw for more touchdowns and didn't get 300 yards. What a uh, dick. He had a 148.1 quarterback rating, though. I don't know what else you could possibly ask of a man. Obviously, this was his best game. Also, we were playing one of the worst defenses in the league. Going forward, does this game change what you expect of Marcus, or are you just going to stay the same level of, we expect him to play well, he's still going to make mistakes? Uh, This doesn't change my expectations for Marcus at all. I knew that he was going to have some struggles. He's a second-year player. You know, that's going to happen in any, to anybody who's a second-year player. You know, you have some struggles as you, especially a quarterback, learning a new system, 
uh, you know, in his first year in a brand new system, learning how to play at the NFL level, you know, everything that comes with that. So I know he struggled, but I know he's a fantastic talent. So he's going to have games like this where he just takes over and, and, and really puts it to a defense because he has that kind of talent. It just kind of foreshadowing for the future, the kind of quarterback he'll be whenever he's, you know, fully matured. Um, but no, it doesn't change my expectations at all. No, it doesn't change any expectation. I think like we all pretty much have the same expectations of him. He's going to make his growing pain mistakes, but at the same time, um, he's obviously getting better and we do have high expectations for him because he's obviously the franchise quarterback. So, you know, for whatever that's worth, I do think, um, he's about where he should be in my opinion. Uh, I'm pretty sure you guys feel the same way. Yeah, this game just reinforces the potential that's there. You know, when you play a bad team, Marcus should be able to just take over and uh, run, run it from there. Uh, on the defensive side, uh, Avery Williamson had a pretty good game. Uh, he did a pretty decent job of covering. He had five tackles. He had a sack. He had a tackle for a loss. That was a pretty good game for him. Do you feel like he was responding to some of the pressure that's been on him and just the middle linebacker group in general? Do you see anything that gives you any hope of the next few games of him being able to cover a little bit better and being more involved in the pass rush? I mean, he definitely helped out a lot in the pass rush, and that was nice to see. And it was nice to see LeBeau get a little crafty in what we're doing, and it obviously worked out well for us. But as far as, um, you know, against the past, I just, I'm not impressed by Williamson, and I'm not at that point where I'm comfortable having him there against all these, like, tight ends. And I know that... Jacksonville really doesn't throw their tight ends a whole lot, um, and it's just not part of their game. So I think a lot of it, the coverage-wise, looks better for us because, you know, one, we're not playing Andrew Luck. One, uh, you know, they don't throw to their tight ends a whole lot in the scheme that they run. So, you know, it's just he he did do a great job uh, pass rushing. Still uh, worries me uh, when he drops back into coverage. I'm pretty much in the same boat. I don't think he he did have a good statistical game, but he didn't stand out to me to the point where I feel any differently about him. As far as like my opinion before the season started, I had a little more higher hopes than I do now. But I still think I still think he could be salvageable. But I, I we all already said that we think he's a better fit for a different uh, scheme, different system, basically. So I, I don't know that he stood out to me more than anybody else did. I think the defense as a whole played pretty well until the second half obviously where we we eased up on him but I still think he's going to continue to grow I don't know if he's if he's quite at his maximum potential yet and I don't know if he'll ever reach it with us I hate the fact where we see guys that we groom up like Zach Brown for instance they go on and have great success somewhere else but I have a feeling that's probably going to happen with him even though he's a he's a hometown guy and he would probably choose to stay as opposed to leave yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of the situation. It's just one of those deals where unless they get a good young linebacker in to replace him or bring in a free agent, he probably sticks around until his contract's up and then you know goes somewhere that he's a better fit for. But you know who, who knows? Uh, winning cures everything. If the team you know, continues to improve, he may stay with us just to be a part of winning. Uh, I didn't have a lot else to add about this game just because – it was over so quickly. Uh, Bortles did have 337 yards. He had three touchdowns. His quarterback rating was a 97.5, and that was almost entirely in the third and fourth quarter. This they couldn't run the ball against us. Uh, they had decent you know yards per carry, but you know T.J. Yeldon only had three carries, 
they went for 20 yards along of 12, a 6.7 yard average, but obviously they couldn't run the ball because they were just so far behind so fast. Is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on about the Jaguars? It was all garbage time, man. The first half stats spoke to to really what had happened. I mean, we had, I don't have it in front of me, like I said, it was almost a week ago now, but we had, I believe, 354 total yards in the first half as opposed to their 60. I mean, that we would have kept you know, doing what we were doing and didn't let up to let the clock run out, you know, it would have got real ugly. Yeah, and we talked about that earlier. You know, the one thing about this game that I didn't like, and I, and I said it earlier in this show, was the fact that let up a little early. You know, I understand that you let up you know, when you're beating a team really bad, but I thought we did it a little bit too early, kind of put a pressure on our offense that we really didn't need to. So that was my one gripe about this game. But other than that, I mean, we played an outstanding game, and and we beat down a team that a lot of people thought was going to be the future after the offseason that they had, uh, the future of the AFC South, and put a, a massive beating to them. And, and it's always nice to get a win in the division. It's always nice to dominate like that within your division. You guys probably already covered it, and it sucks I wasn't here for the first half of the show. Did you guys, the things that stood out to me just off the top of my head, the Supernaw plays, did you cover that? Actually, we didn't. We didn't get to that part. Well, basically, you know, and it's been a while, so I'm kind of just going off of what I do remember. But he basically has the uh, the play of his career and uh, follows it up with a, <laughs> a five-yard penalty the following play, put him right back in the doghouse. But then he had that, that uh, tiptoeing down the sideline, which almost was a touchdown. So he actually uh, had a good game. I won't bash him this week. I don't know that he's completely out of the doghouse with the fans yet. It was about time we saw him do something right. Yeah, well overdue. There was that, and I, you know, just to go back from what I do remember on that game was the uh, the Derrick Henry running over Jalen Ramsey for <laughs> five or six yards. That is something we did talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we, we covered uh, Ramsey becoming a uh, Derrick Henry's prison bitch. Hold my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was a brutal series of plays there for Ramsey. I wish I didn't look into it. I wonder if he had any post game interviews where he. I snapped, didn't see any. Snapped his neck. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe he was just quiet after this one. You listen quiet enough, you can hear him sucking his teeth all the way down in Jacksonville right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right, so let, let's talk about the upcoming game. Uh, we're playing the Chargers. I believe we're already a three-point favorite. Let me take a look here. No, six points. Uh, the spread is at six right now for us. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. We're a six-point favorite at San Diego? Correct. Wow. Wait, no. Yeah, you might want to look at that again. Okay, never mind. It's, it's a plus six for the Titans, minus six for the Chargers. That's six That's points for them, right? Yes. Welcome yeah. to gambling. Yeah, yeah, see, I don't gamble <laughs> enough anymore. Yeah, that sounds okay. a little better. All right, so let's talk about this game with the Chargers. We're a uh, six-point underdog going into this. The over-under is at 47. Obviously, they expect some scoring to get down here. Um I have a hard time seeing the Chargers winning this game just based on a few things that they're missing. Their offensive line is still not in great shape. They're missing their best corner. Uh, Ryan and I talked about that a little bit earlier. You know, Joey Bosa's back, but that doesn't make up for the fact that they're missing their uh, their best corner. Their top two receivers are gone. That this The Chargers team is not what it was, and they're 3-5, and five, and they're 2-1 and one at home. Being 2-1 and one at home does not – Encourage me enough to make me think that the Chargers are going to be able to beat the Titans this game. 
They've been on a little streak lately. I don't know. My opinion of the Chargers is almost like they're almost built like the Colts, in my opinion. Like, I think the same things need to happen for us to beat the Chargers as as we need to do with the Colts. It all starts with the pressure on Phillip Rivers. Uh, Joey Bosa has actually been playing really well. As much as I hate him, I'll give him credit there. I do think that we will have our hands full with their defense, but I think we can put points on them. It all starts on our defense getting pressure on Rivers. I think we can rattle him early and often we'll we'll have success i agree with that matt i think they do look a lot like the colts you know if you look at this team the way that they're built very weak on defense right now and then obviously not having verrett as we talked about earlier that secondary is not very good just like indianapolis uh the one thing that for me that kind of sticks out is i do don't think that um san diego's as good along the offensive line uh, especially that left side, obviously a, a benefit for us because we saw what Indianapolis was able to do to the left side of that of our pass rush um, in the the game against them, and it really really hurt you know our chances to win that football game. I know that they're at home. I, I just don't see how you give them a, a six point favorite at this point. Uh, the way that they've played, the way that we've played, and I know they're coming off of a win against the Broncos. And the week before that, a win against the Falcons. But I don't know. I just don't see this team being able to beat us right now. I think that that Broncos game was definitely a fluke. The Falcons game uh, was just an outstanding game by Phillip Rivers. But we definitely have to get in his face. You know, he's the key for them to win this game. It's the exact same thing we said about Andrew Luck. We have to be able to get to him uh, early and often. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I think we're going to have a, a cakewalk to the end zone, uh, and it should be that the entire game long. Yeah, Philip Rivers is always dangerous, so you have to get after him. Uh, he gets a lot of grief in this uh, this league, particularly from like fantasy owners. But Philip Rivers is a he's a solid quarterback; he can play. If you don't get pressure on him, he's going to find a way to hit his guys. The thing about the uh, Chargers is they have Antonio Gates, they have Hunter Henry, so they've got a couple tight ends again. And maybe this quarterback's smart enough to use them you know, against this Titans defense in the center of the field. So that's really my concern here is the, out, the outside guys, Travis Benjamin, I believe he's back healthy finally. He's just listed as questionable. He, he's hurt us in the past against that, like the uh, Browns game last year. Ugh, yep. Yeah. yeah. Exactly the right emotion, Matt. You know, that's when he hurt <laughs> us last time. I don't want to see that happen again. They, they have enough on this team to be dangerous on offense. And if you let Gordon get loose on you, which he did a little bit in the preseason uh, when we played him, he, he's running really well. He's actually got one more carry than uh, DeMarco Murray does. You know, So as much as we use Murray, the Chargers actually use Gordon more. Uh, the thing is, is behind him, they don't have you know anybody who's going to really scare you. Like we can bring on Henry and they can't. So our defense, I think we just have to hold up the middle of the field. We have to make Rivers make outside throws. Uh, if Cox can get back, that would be awesome. I don't think he does. He's just listed as questionable right now, but I think he's probably still out this game. So if the t- if we can just protect the center of the field and keep the tight ends from lighting us up, I-, I think we can control their scoring reasonably well. And then it's just a question of can we move the ball in their defense, which I think we can. Yeah, definitely. I think – you know what I said earlier with uh, Avery Williamson. I think that they are going to expose him again this week. So I didn't want to praise him too much for last week's game, but this is a test for him and the other linebackers. I think 
you know, they'll definitely have their hands full. I think Hunter Henry is going to be one of the better tight ends coming up, you know, for the next few years. And Antonio Gates, uh, if it wasn't for, you know, last week's game, I would have said he was all but done because I thought I really thought he was, but he came back. He, he didn't, he didn't, you know, expose anybody, but he's definitely still relevant to say the least. But uh, they got they have a good rapport, and I think that they're it's just like Romo and Witten, it's, it's Gates and Rivers. We definitely have to watch out for them. Their their receivers don't scare me much. I think if we can contain Benjamin, that's pretty much their only deep threat. I'm not worried about Williams or Inman or whoever else they got coming up. And I'm definitely not worried about McCluster, and I'd definitely like to see him get get his cage rattled a little <laughs> bit if he gets in the game. Yeah, obviously their tight ends are, are worrisome, especially, you know, how bad we've been with tight ends. I mean, Jack Doyle became a household name after they played us, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. They, we can't – that's one thing is we have to limit the their ability to get the ball to their tight ends. And I, I know we're not going to be able to stop them, uh, but we do have to limit that ability. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure – what we have to do, maybe safety help over the top, but then, you know, that's not going to help a lot with guys as big as Henry and Gates are. I don't know a lot what you can do, but we need to not let that be the, the killer for us because, you know, for the Colts, if they did not have the ability to get the ball their tight ends as often as they did, there's no way that they're able to beat us. So that was a huge, huge factor. You know, anybody who watched that game knows that's, you know, why they beat us is that constant throwing over the middle to a tight end, and just watching our inside linebackers get burnt. So that's definitely got to change this week. Pressure, obviously, will will play a large part in that. You know, that's what we do um, on defense. That's what we do best on defense. So I think we need to to really get in there and really cause Rivers to make some bad decisions, some bad throws, and then take advantage of those um, mistakes. Yeah, the, our defense taking advantage of somebody making mistakes would be a nice uh, you know, change. We, As well as our corners have been playing the last few weeks, they still aren't making big plays very often. So Rivers is a guy who he will take shots. He takes stabs downfield. So someone like Bayer who has a tendency to or has that instinct to get into a pass and you know get interceptions, this could be a good spot for him to come up with something. Do you guys think, and I'm looking back at some of these previous scores, but do you think that uh, last week's game gives the Titans a new confidence as opposed to where they were you know, two weeks ago after that horrible loss? I think it has to. They, they won that game so easily. Uh, obviously, you know, the coach's job is going to be to bring them back down to earth and make sure they understand it's not going to be that easy every week. You know, that was kind of a fluke. The Jaguars just shot themselves right off the bat and just never had a chance. The, the team has got to be feeling good after a win like that. The games that we've won, we haven't been just crushing people. So to go out there and crush somebody, and that has to feel good. Yeah, I think it absolutely gives us a renewed confidence, um, especially being a division opponent like that and, and just beating them down the way we did. You know, that's always going to be a huge boost of confidence, and it really doesn't matter who it comes against. You know, you even beat like a, a team like Cleveland like that. It just feels good just to to dominate someone like that. It it really makes you feel good about yourself and about the team. And so yeah, I definitely think that it's a it's a huge spark plug for us. And we need to be able to ride that, but also like Glenn said, players need to know that that was facing a, a weaker class of team and that you have to you know put even more effort into it and more hard into it as we play a lot of these tougher matchups on our schedule. 
Yeah. I'm sure you guys already touched on the Andre Johnson retirement. Um, did you guys acknowledge the fact that guess who uh, Harry Douglas will be back this week? We did not. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he will probably be activated. The, the, the point of me bringing it up is I, I really think they, they finally figured out that in order to have success through the air, Kendall Wright has to be a part of the plan. I mean, every time he's called on anymore, he's he's making plays left and right. Hopefully we see more of that. You know, we didn't see much of Andre Johnson anyway, so hopefully Harry Douglas doesn't <laughs> doesn't throw a, a wrench in those plans. But I think, you know, if we, if we keep using what works, we can really be a strong offense. Hopefully, you know, Rubisky in his old age can, can figure that out and we keep doing what we've been doing. Yeah, I think at this point Rubisky showed that he's, he's adapted to the personnel he has and he's made some nice changes. Douglas is going to be a four-string guy. He shouldn't have much of an impact, just like Andre wasn't getting to have much of an impact. Andre had his one big play. He, he had that touchdown against Detroit that won the game. And other than Absolutely. that, his other right catches were fairly inconsequential for the most part. I mean, they were more about having him in the locker room and teaching these young guys how to play. And you know what? That one catch for Detroit, in my opinion, earned his paycheck for the year. I don't even care. I mean, that's he, – he came in – yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know what anyone really expected with him. We all had optimism, I guess, with him, but – that one play, in my mind, sealed the deal for me. I didn't need to see much more than that. Yeah, I don't think he'll have much of an impact, like you guys said. He'll be the fourth guy up, and yeah, I'm not. I don't expect him to get a lot of targets. And that's you know the fourth guy also, not considering how often we throw the ball to our our backs and how often we throw to our tight ends. I mean, if you went like by targets, he's probably gonna look at the next eight games that we have ahead of us, Harry Douglas is probably going to be something like seventh in targets, you know, behind probably both of our backs and a few of our tight ends. So, yeah, it's it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference, really. So what do you guys think we come out score-wise in this game? Uh, this one I think is going to be interesting because I think – Philip Rivers, obviously, very talented quarterback. I think he's going to be able to move the ball against us um, and on our secondary. Uh, we need to be able to limit that, but I, he obviously is going to put points on the board as good as he is and as bad as our defense uh, is on the back end. But I think that we are also going to score a lot. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. But I'm going to say Tennessee takes this one 33-31. Not as high scoring as I think. I think it'll be a close game, but more of like a. I think we'll move up and down the field, but I don't think they'll see the end zone as much. I see more of like a twenty to seventeen type game, and I don't, that could go either way. But I'll, obviously, I'll take the Titans in this one. Ryan's going way over the over under. Matt's going right at the over under. I guess I'm going to go under a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and just say that we win twenty four to seventeen. I think that the. Chargers won't be able to score quite as much just because our defense does play so well, and they are missing some players that they would need to really take advantage of our defense. If Antonio Gates, this was you know, three years ago, different style uh, tight end at the time, th- then we'd have a bigger problem. I think for the most part, Antonio Gates can be nullified, and Hunter Henry has been hurt quite a bit. So I think that the tight ends won't burn us as bad as we're afraid they're going to. But if if Antonio Gates was going to have one last big game, it would be against us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, good insight, Ryan. Thanks. Awesome. Bunch of pussies going so low. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt went right at the over under, and I went under, and so I didn't even know the over under. I'm just that good. 
There you are. Matt called the line. That doesn't mean shit. Calling the game is what means something. <laughs> About all we have for the show. Don't forget to check out Glenn's Know Your Enemy articles. Uh, they come out each week. Don't forget you can find us on Podbean uh, at www.twotoneuncensored.podbean.com on the Podbean app, on iTunes as well. Uh, tons of ways in order to listen to the show. And don't forget to go vote. Pro Bowl voting is open, so go vote for your favorite Titans players. Let's get some of the guys in two-tone, uh, you know, in Hawaii for that matchup. It, it's always nice to see our guys get in, be able to get in there, and we haven't had a lot of success with that recently. So go vote and make sure some of our guys get represented the way they deserve to be. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, real quick, um, kind of out of order, but the trade deadline has come and passed. Is there anybody that you wanted and didn't get? Is it passed? I thought it was midnight tonight. Pretty no, sure it's over. it just passed uh, like a half oh. hour ago. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm fine with them not making any moves. Uh, I don't want to see them give away draft picks for players that are you know mid-career or later. And I think that's all you could really have gotten. The only guy of any real interest to me would have been Hayden. And that salary is ridiculous. I'd rather them not spend the money on that. Well, as we were talking earlier, they, I got a notification. The Saints were trying to acquire, but the price was too high for them. So, no deal. Yeah, just because the Browns say they want to trade people doesn't mean they're going to give them away. So, yeah, I would have been I would have been fine with acquiring uh, Tory Smith for a fourth rounder later. Apparently, they wanted the third, which I wouldn't have been pissed about either. But uh, I wouldn't have went out of my way to get him. But he is, you know, the the type of receiver that we don't have. And I think it blew out of proportion when uh, Mason kind of two days ago said, or it might have been yesterday. Anyway, on his show, he was like, oh, it makes so much sense to go out and get him, this and that. If they're shopping him for you know the right price, then obviously I would agree, but I wouldn't go out of my way to get somebody like that. And Torrey Smith has never blown me up anyway. He, he has some great catches every year, but the last time he was really relevant was when Joe Flacco was launching the ball down the field. And we don't have a guy on this roster who can throw the ball like Flacco as far as the deep ball goes. Yeah, I agree. Hayden was the only one that I was really interested in um, out of the bigger-name guys. And, and yeah, I got the same notification that you did, Matt, saying the Saints wanted him, but the, the price was too high. Yeah, it would be interesting to know what they were asking for, Hayden. But really, if you know, if there's teams out there that are looking at him and they're saying the price is too high, that – I. They're probably asking way too much, you know. So really, no, because at, at this point you're going to end up overpaying or overreaching, over um, valuing someone that it really probably isn't worth it at this point, you know. Good teams build through the draft. I can't believe the Saints weren't happy with BW Webb. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the Browns, you know, they put everybody on notice by saying they're going to trade them, but they've signed so many bad contracts, and they're not going to give people away for free. Yeah. You know, so I didn't expect a lot of movement there. I was more surprised that they were the guys making the trade and acquiring somebody than anything else. Yeah, and then, of course, you have the random Brandon Marshall rumor out there. I don't know who the hell comes up with this shit, but, like, I don't know. Every year. When he left Miami, I was like, yeah, let's go get him. When they got him for, you know, nothing, it was like a fifth-round pick or something. When they whoever It was either the Jets that paid a fifth round or, or it was Miami that paid a fifth round. But Whoever back- it was, that was a good deal. Back then, yeah, hell yeah. I don't know why we didn't jump on it then, but at this point, it's not even worth the headache. Who was our GM back when that happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Rusty. <laughs> How's Bleedy Ray doing? Anybody hear anything from him? 
I, I think he was sacking groceries at Safeway, wasn't he? Is he a... I don't even know any CFL teams off the top of my head. I can't even throw that out there. Never mind. Eskimos. He's playing Chinese ball now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, you guys are gay. So, um, Wow. I'm leaving that in. You should. <laughs> we'll do better next week. Sorry, guys. The pool question this week is going to be the over-under. Um, it, it's set over there, so how many points do you think that we're going to score as a combined in this game coming up? With the Chargers, do you think that I'm on the right side and we're going over? Uh, or do you think that Glenn's on the right side with going under? So everybody can vote on that. That's right on the site at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com. So definitely go check that out. And everybody, thanks for listening. And anybody in the San Diego area, let's go steal home field advantage from somebody else. Go watch that game and tighten up. Podbean! Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook. <laughs>